Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Red Sox Precap Podcast, a podcast from the Golden Monster Podcast Network where we recap the series that just ended. Preview the series that's about to start. I'm your host, Keaton DeRocher, joined as always by Bailey Lunchsnyder. Bailey, welcome back. It's been a minute since we've been able to do this together. It has. I'm glad that we could figure it all out. You know, schedules be crazy. <laughs> yeah, they certainly are. <laughs> glad to get this back on track and a good one to get going with. Um, let's dive right on in, reviewing the Cardinals with game one. So, yeah, in game one, we had Adam Wainwright versus, uh, versus Waka, and the Red Sox got a 6-5 win. But what I absolutely loved about this before jumping in and talking about Waka was that, like, Wainwright was pretty much like Waka's, like, mentor when they were both on the Cardinals together. So it's really cool just to see them be able to face off and for, you know, Waka to really outdo them a little bit. So Waka... It wasn't his greatest outing, but I mean, what more could we really ask? He went five and a third innings. He had one earned run, six hits, one walk, struck out six. So, I mean, really couldn't ask for much more than what Walker has been doing all this season. And then, of course, like the gem of the season in that bullpen, I think, has been Schreiber. You know, he came in, he went an inning and a third, nails once again. His ERA was lowered to 0.92 on the season. And then Strom, who I think, you know, outside of, you know, a little bit of an injury hiccup I think he's been nothing but solid for the Sox all season he came in again uh inning and a third from him as well gave up nothing um but you know the pen did tend to have a little bit of an implosion um because that's been some of the theme I feel like um Davis came in he gave up three earned runs. Uh, the Red Sox were not able to hold a five-run lead going into the ninth. They had to go to Tanner Houck, uh, but he gave up an earned run himself. 
But thankfully, they were able to secure a 6-5 win, but they did go in with, you know, a 6-1 lead. Uh, and the offense, uh, they kind of spaced out their hits a little bit. They pl- played more timely baseball. You know, the first inning, they were able to score after Jaron Duran showed off the wheels. He got, uh, you know, a triple, but then it was a double play ball that brought him in from J.D., uh, then later, you know, uh, JD had a single, a Bogarts had a double, and then Story with a, another timely single was able to score two runs in the fourth for the Sox. But then Franchi, who's been really great for the Sox all season, he came in in the seventh, got a double, and was brought home by JBJ single. I think JBJ has been looking pretty solid. They've been mostly singles, but they've been pretty timely for the Sox. And then Dahlbeck came up. Uh, clutch with a double of his own, bringing in JBJ. So the Red Sox were able to get some timely hits and get that 6-5 win. But I think uh, a big question that I have uh, for you is, do you see Hauk is now being this de facto closer? And if he is the de facto closer, you know, what took Cora so long to, you know, give him this role? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think he definitely is. Um, Right before the series started, uh, Chris Cotillo, Mm -hmm. Mass Live, had... um, Dave Bush on his podcast uh, and asked, uh, is Tanner Houck the closer? And his response was, it's certainly trending that way. Oh, great. And I think after this series, there's like no doubt. Yeah. Um, obviously, we saw it in game one where he was brought in mm-hmm. to stop the bleeding, shut the door, get the save. Then we saw it again in game three, yeah. which we'll get to. So I think without a doubt, he's the guy in the highest of leverage situations. I think what took them so long is they had no idea what to do with him for the longest time, right? I mean, he started the season as uh, a starter yeah and Whitlock was the guy that was in those high leverage roles now they flipped after the Toronto series where how couldn't go yeah um and then they, at, they knew he was going to be in the pen but then they again they didn't really know what his role was going to be they had him like piggybacking Whitlock um yeah. and throwing like two three innings at a time then they were like well that's stupid maybe we shouldn't be doing that shrunk his role into shorter stints and then finally pushed him into high leverage situations and then finally pushed him into the closer situations, and now he's up to four saves already. I think they just, for the longest time, didn't know what the hell to do with him. And now they finally have realized, oh, hey, we got a dude who's got nasty stuff. Maybe he should be our closer. Yes. That's fun. Yes. And and not only that, he's somebody that could potentially pitch more than one inning if you need him to. So you, yeah. you have a closer with that versatility, too, that can just be super valuable for the Red Sox. I've just been, since the beginning, because I've always been a Hulk in the pen, uh, Whitlock in the starting role. I thought that wasn't going to happen until 2023, but because of, you know, Hulk not being vaccinated, things sort of got a little expedited on that. But So I've always, in my mind, been like, this guy could close. So I'm glad that the Red Sox are finally seeing that, too, because I think he could be an extremely valuable closer. But things are going to have to change again if his vaccination status is still not vaxxed. Um, so maybe somebody like Strom will have to close when you get up to, you know, north of the border, or maybe he did get himself vaccinated. I mean, highly doubtful that, you know, you'll do anything for the team except that, but Hey, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it would help because the Red Sox are going to have to, it could get tricky if there are close games, unless, you know, you know, there's been some movement with the pen, from, you know, the front office standpoint, by the time we play Toronto next in Toronto, I'm not exactly sure when we go, you know, to the six again, but it's going to it's going to get a little tricky if he is definitely your go to closer, but you just don't have him in Toronto. Yeah, um, it's going to be really annoying because these are going to be really critical games. Yep, um, uh, Unbelievably so. Yeah. And if we get into a situation, so this is like 
this is what had been the biggest difference this series between, I mean, we talked about this a lot through the first month. The biggest issue was like without the offense, giving the bullpen some insurance, these game winning these games wouldn't have been possible. Mm-hmm. Um, also coupled with the fact that we didn't have somebody to stop the bleeding when there was bleeding. Yeah. That was the whole point. Like we talked about without Whitlock not being the closer probably cost him like eight games throughout the first month. Yeah. But it was also the offense not kind of scoring runs. Well, the offense is back to scoring runs, giving them a bit of a cushion, giving them a chance to make a couple mistakes. But then again, not having someone to stop the bleeding. This is a pretty good Cardinals offense. They could have scored a whole bunch more if Houck didn't come in and slam the door. Toronto's offense is a lot better than this. It's brutal. (laughs) And you are fighting with Toronto within the division for a playoff spot. So without having a guy who can come in and close the door, you're not going to win those games. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be just like the first month of the season. So it's going to be real annoying not having him available. Um, so hopefully, um, you know, he might see the gravity of that situation or I guess absolute worst case scenario. Um, we see ourselves in a playoff series with Toronto. We'll get that taken care of. But uh, yeah, it's going to be real frustrating not having your best lineup available in games that you need to win. Yeah, absolutely. I was pretty, I was impressed given that, you know, we had heard like whispers of so many of the Red Sox not being vaccinated in 2021. I was outside of like, I think Hauk and Crawford, for the most part, uh, like our A plus lineup was up there. You know, some of the people that were on the fence realized like, no, we need to get vaccinated in order for the betterment of our team. So I was at least happy that to see a good portion of our lineup up there. But yeah, if you're going to go into Toronto without your closer, that's that is such a disadvantage. Yeah, particularly with this bullpen, because we've seen it without a closer, and it's really bad. It's really, really bad. Yes, absolutely. And it's like we just saw how it's really interesting to me, though, is because figuring out the closer role will be will be super beneficial for them, and I think they figured that out. But then if we just bring in one other reliever that's really good, I think that'll help, too, whether or not it's a closer or if it's somebody that's just really solid in the eighth inning to help them. Because there are pieces in that pen that I think are good and are of value. But it's just the people that you bring in to mop up a game, those people are so bad that a 6-1 lead becomes a 6-5 before you know it. That's a huge problem is that the mop-up guys aren't competent enough to hold five-run leads. And that's just (laughs) baffling. (laughs) Yep. Not great. (sighs) Not great, but hey, still got the win. And that's a step up from, you know, a month and a half ago. So step in the right direction. (laughs) That's progress. Absolutely. And then we're seeing great things. Like, another quick question before we jump into, like, the second game was, is Walker really for real? I feel like at this point it has to be a yes because he's just been stepping up in every situation, especially now that we have both Whitlock and Evaldi going down on the IL. You really need somebody like Walker to be stepping up. Yeah, I mean, he's the ace right now. Well, I guess there's also Pavetta. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I mean, those two guys are holding down this starting rotation right now, which Absolutely. is huge because I wasn't expecting uh, anything from really either of these guys. Yeah. Um, but Waka in particular, um, it had been a few years since we had seen really anything productive out of him yes. since like 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and 2020 and 2021 were really, really bad. Yeah. So I, I really wasn't expecting anything at all. And now we've gotten up to nearly 60 innings of this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at some point, he is what he is. And I think this is it. Um, yeah. I, w- I, I was surprised by how quickly I bought into this, too. 
Yeah, same. Um, <laughs> it didn't take me long to, like, I'm normally resistant to guys that are, like, this good coming off of seasons that are pretty bad. But mm-hmm. it, after, like, four starts, I had, like, fully bought in and was like, holy crap, they got something here. This is crazy. Yeah. And that's not not usually kind of how things go for me. And so I, I bought in super early to this, and there's nothing that's happened since to change my mind. It's really kind of only strengthened it, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty wild. So, yeah, this is – every time he goes out there, I fully expect Red Sox to get the win. Yeah, same. All right, game two. Um, we'll also be quick because there's not a whole lot to talk about here. Uh, <laughs> True. <laughs> Dakota Hudson and Cutter Crawford. Uh, Crawford went four innings, six hits, four earned runs. No walks, three strikeouts. Uh, when it rains, it pours. Uh, Robles followed, and since returning from the IL, he has looked really the opposite of sharp. He managed to give up another four earned runs and two-thirds of an inning pitched. Saramura followed and gave up an earned run of his own, and then Davis capped it off with a lackluster night, giving up another earned run. <laughs> uh, the offense didn't really do much against the Cardinals pitching staff uh, with a uh, middling game, managing just two runs. Uh, really the big... Uh, opportunity miss was Jaron Duran up with the bases loaded mm. in a two-run game and grounded out, <laughs> which was tough. Um, yeah. That was pretty much it. Nothing really timely. Uh, a couple singles from Dalbuck yeah. and Story. Um, question for you on Jaron Duran, though. Um, we talked when we did the the three-way red seat podcast. Mm-hmm. We talked about Duran a bit because he had just been sent down, and then we had an immediate need for him to come back, but he couldn't because <laughs> yes. he had just been sent down. Yep, yep. So the 10 days was up. He's right back up. Um, do you think he should remain up here uh, in the majors? He is since um, just continued to put the bat on the ball, uh, racking up extra base hits uh, right now, hitting three nineteen, I believe. Um, yeah. Three nineteen. Um, looking pretty sharp. The major league level. Um, how, what are your, what are your thoughts on Duran staying here when guys start to return, uh, from their COVID ILs and injury ILs? Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely, if you can get a cost effective player who is producing at the major league level, I think it's only beneficial to give him an opportunity and potentially, you know, when you get Kike back. You could potentially have an outfield, but the the only the only tricky part about all of this is the huge liability in this man's game is playing the outfield. And at that point, if you're playing him consistently on a consistent basis, you're not taking Kike out of center. You're not taking uh, Verdugo out of left. So you're putting him in the most difficult right field in Major League Baseball, which proves to be a massive issue when you are subpar defensively. So that's really the only thing. And JBJ has been holding his own for, you know, whatever it is. And JBJ can always hold his own when, you know, you have a solid one through eight, you know, and he's just hitting ninth down there and then maybe coming up with some clutch hits from time to time. But at the same time, it's like, because of that, are you taking away from Duran? And are you saying, we're going to run away, we're just going to let Duran have it, but then you're going to have this huge liability in right field. So it is it is very difficult, in my opinion, at least to say yes or no, just because of how terrible he is defensively. Do you think Verdugo could play a good enough right that Duran could play left and you would be strong enough defensively? 
I think so, because I think pretty much 2021, the, uh, 2020, the season that we had in 2020, like the entire time, uh, Verdugo was out there pretty much in right the whole time. And I think he can hold his own in the corners. I think he's just more of a liability in center. So if, if that's what you're thinking, like have him go over and play right, then yeah, I think it might make it easier to play left field for Duran. But I mean, offensively, that could be your best your best bet, but you're taking a little bit of a, you know, a back step defensively. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up game two. Red Sox get the loss 11 to two heading into game three tied one, one. Yeah. So we went into the third game. We had uh Pavetta versus Palante. And I believe this was Palante's third career major league start. Uh, so congrats to him on that one. He had, he did break in uh, it with the, with the Cardinals in the pen, but now he's starting to get starting roles. Uh, Pavetta once again, uh, seven innings pitched, four hits, one run. Uh, one uh, the one run was earned. Four walks, ten Ks. So he really wasn't the sharpest he's ever been. Like those four walks, you know that not the best. But thankfully they didn't really come back to hurt him because he did scatter in ten Ks and he did really battle through this. Like we're sitting here, we're talking about how this wasn't his best outing. He still pitched seven innings of one run baseball. So, I mean, you really can't ask for even at his best, it's still better than pretty much everybody that we have being thrown out there now because, you know, of all these and uh, um, Whitlock are on the IL right now. And then, of course, we had Schreiber come in once again, continuing his dominance in the eighth. He actually just came out and struck out the side, looked absolutely incredible doing it. ERA lowered to 0.87. But then, of course, some of the guys in the pen that aren't, the you know the guys that really step up and pitch well we had danish come in it got a little dicey he allowed three earned runs including an absolute monster blast to uh juan yepes in the ninth so made it a little uh a little scary there because we went in with a 6-1 lead into the ninth we had to use tanner Houck once again to help secure a five-run lead that they could not do so we were able to get a 6-4 win thankfully the offense did come to play, though. Trevor Story got the party started with a solo oppo home run in the second. JBJ helped put the Sox on top in the fifth, driving in Verdugo with a nice single. Ref Schneider, since being called back up, has been really a nice little spark. A line drive single in the seventh helped give the Sox a 3-1 lead. But it was Vasquez, who's been having a pretty darn good season for himself overall, had a three-run blast in the eighth to help really seal that win. Uh, so that was pretty much the, the recap of game three, but a couple questions are like, what can we really say about this pen? Who is to blame? Is it Haim? Is it Cora? Is it truly no one? Is it everyone? It's, it's, uh, it's just been so frustrating. It's been the biggest glaring hole, I think all season. Yeah. And it's a tough one. Cause I think it's, I think it truly is like not to be that guy, but I think it is truly kind of a mix of all of them. Yeah. True. Um, Haim has done a really good job for the majority of this bullpen with one glaring exception of just like finding that shutdown closer, which they may have now finally found Mm -hmm. or at least finally turned to with Hauk. But it's like, hey, man, it's June 19th. We maybe (laughs) should have had one by now. Yeah. (laughs) So so that part is frustrating. And that was like one of the, the key things that uh, we talked about throughout the offseason podcast was like we, we really wanted to find at least two high leverage arms um, and we really didn't come out of the offseason with any. Mm-hmm. Um, so that piece is frustrating. One, I feel like the the criticism that we keep coming back to with Alex Cora as manager is bullpen usage. Yes. 
we continually get to the end of the year and guys are completely burned out. He does make some questionable calls and how he's turning to guys. But also part of that has just been the the people that he's worked with. I thought coming into this year, this was like the deepest bullpen that he's had to work with. Um, but he still kind of made some questionable calls, like we talked about earlier. Like it took them a really long time to finally turn to Hauk in yeah. this situation and get to the closer role. Um, and then also like it is kind of no one's fault because – they kind of have who they have and, you know, Cora can only turn to the guys that he has. And um, it really kind of at any point during his tenure, hasn't really had more than like two guys that he can turn to. And yeah. that's part of the reason why we continually get to the end of the year and guys are completely burned out. So yeah, it is kind of a mix of all of them, I think, but I, I think all of those have like clear solutions and that's yeah. the, the, the frustrating part is like, we could have solved this a long time ago and maybe bank those eight to 10 wins earlier. And we'd be in a real good situation right now, instead of, you know, went through that first month of hell before yeah. they finally started, you know, turning around and playing these games. But it, it obviously, it, it makes me feel better about where they currently are and the, like where they are at heading into this gauntlet of AL East games that they have over the next, whatever it is, month and a half, like mm-hmm. till through the end of July. Um, makes me feel like they're in a much better position to handle those games. Um, but it, it, at the same time, it's like, I feel like there's going to be a lot of games like this where they'll have three, four run leads. And all of a sudden in the blink of an eye, it'll be a safe situation. They'll have to turn to Tanner Houck. And then all of a sudden you've used Tanner Houck in back-to-back games. And now who are you going to turn to, to try and close out a game? Yep. I don't know. Cause you don't really have anyone else. Yeah. So, that's going to be a fun one to navigate because there's going to be a whole lot of close games. Yes, there will be. What's your take on that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think I, I agree completely. It's, it's, it's so difficult just to say like, it's all Haim's fault. Yeah. Haim could have done better. He could have gotten you a Kendall Graveman or he could have got you a Kenley Jansen, but at the same time, spending big money on bullpens sometimes can be proved to be a waste because there is the volatility of, you know, not just the closer, but pretty much any relief pitcher. Like the perfect example is all the money that the White Sox threw at uh, Hendricks. Like he might actually need Tommy John because he's having issues with his elbow and that could lead to that something very problematic down the stretch and you've thrown just so much money at a reliever whereas you could just spend money elsewhere and he's from tampa bay who's kind of thrown again these crazy bullpens that just end up being really good like he found a schreiber out of like the scrap heap and i think he just thinks that way so much because that's the way he's really always kind of gone about it but now he might need to pivot just a little bit maybe and actually spend money on your bullpen too like i think it can sort of go there can be like a nice balance on spending but also finding guys yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah i feel, definitely feel the same way but two out of three that ain't bad especially I'll against the first place cardinals team um who's your mvp of the series um i put down uh pavetta just because i was just really impressed with what he did today and not having his best stuff and still just going out there and doing seven like couldn't really i mean i can't really ask for more especially considering how difficult the season began for him and when he was figuring out mechanic things and now just looking like such a steal 
Like, the Red Sox got such a steal in getting Nick Pavetta and just what he's done this season. He's looking like, I don't want to say an like an ace because, like, it's so, to give that ace title to so many people, it's like, they're just throwing it out. I remember when people used to be like, oh, Eduardo Rodrigo's Eddie Aces. I'm like, no, 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 no. But, like, <laughs> Pavetta's looking to be, like, a solid number two. And that's, like, pretty yeah. damn impressive if you ask me. Yeah, for sure. I went with Houck, the guy who had to bail him out twice to get the wins. Um, which I think is the first time on this entire podcast uh, in its three-year run that I've given it to a member of the bullpen. Mm. So the I mean, congratulations, Tanner Houck. <laughs> I mean, that is also someone because he saved – he literally saved two. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up uh, the Cardinals series. We'll take a quick break, uh, come back, and preview the series against Detroit. You're up to the minute. Standings, the American League East. The New York Yankees are in first place at 49-17, and 17, 11 games back. In second place is the Blue Jays. 13 games back is the Rays. 13 and a half games back, a mere half game back of the Rays, is your Boston Red Sox. And then 20 games back is the Orioles. Welcoming, uh-huh. uh, no, not welcoming, heading to Detroit. Yes, I think we're going to Detroit, right? Let me just double check that. Uh, no, welcoming Detroit oh, to Detroit. to Boston. Okay. Welcoming the uh, twenty six and forty mm. fourth place in the American League Central, Detroit Tigers. Um, this team has had quite a down year. Uh, offense ranks thirtieth, pretty much across the board, which is uh, not where I think a lot of people thought this offense would be. But hey, that's what you got. Uh, pitching matchups here, we got Josh Winkowski versus Alex Fado, Rich Hill versus Bo Brisky, and Michael Waka versus Tariq Skubal. Uh, what do you think of those matchups? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm predicting 3-0 sweep just because, sorry, Tigers fans, this team is bad. I was hoping they wouldn't be this bad. Honestly, I was thinking that they were actually going to turn a corner. I didn't think they were necessarily going to really compete for this season, but I thought maybe in the future they could really, and they've just been hit with a lot of things. Like there's been some weird stuff with Eduardo Rodriguez where he's taking a leave and isn't, nobody really knows when he's returning back to the Tigers. Um, You know, you have Javier Baez who has just been completely underperforming that entire contract that he was given. Then they had, you know, who they thought was going to potentially go into, you know, a potential ACE role for them in the future with, um, Oh my God, why am I blanking on his name? Ah, why am I blanking? One Casey Mize? The, yes, Casey Mize. Thank you. They thought that Casey Mize was, he, you know, they thought that he was going to maybe be like a really good person in their pen for them. He just went down with Tommy John. So there's just a lot of bad things have been going bad for the Tigers that, you know, I know Scooball, that's a name I'm familiar with. I think he is potentially has really good, um, you know, there's really good potential in there. But, like, I'm really not familiar with any of these other names other than Bo Brisky being a really cool name. Like, <laughs> other yeah. than that, really not too familiar. So we are throwing Winkowski, Hill, and Waka. Like, Waka's going to be really good. But then, you know, Hill, uh, we don't really know what we're going to potentially get from Hill. And Winkowski can be, like, a little hit or miss. But I still think I believe in the Red Sox offense. I believe being at Fenway Park. I think that we're going to get these, yeah. Yeah, uh, not much of a lineup to throw out there. Victor Reyes leading off, Harold Castro heading second, Miguel Cabrera third, Robbie Grossman fourth, Javier Baez fifth, Riley Green, who was just called up, 
uh, hitting sixth. Spencer Torkelson, seventh. Jonathan Scope, eighth. Tucker Barnhart, ninth. Um, looking at their stats, Jaimer Candelario leads them in home runs with five. <laughs> That's not a lot. He's also oh. hitting 181. Um, oh, they don't have a single member of their lineup outside. Oh, sorry. Though they do have, they have two. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, no shock. Um, and Robbie Grossman are the only two players in their roster with OBPs over 300. Um, there's not a whole lot here that I'm worried about. No, <laughs> I, I agree. It's It's been just super underperforming. Like I said, I wasn't expecting them to win and compete in, you know, 2022. But I thought that, you know, come next season that they could be really placed well. And I feel bad for their fans because their fan base is looked at, you know, they went out and they got you know, a number three in Eduardo Rodriguez. They thought that they were getting, uh, you know, El Magro, like, you know, this this great uh, shortstop, and he's just been a disappointment. So it, it's like I feel bad for the fan base because it, it did look like the Tigers were trying to improve their team, but now they're still just, they're having a terrible season. Yeah, I thought they would be close to, like, 75, 80 wins. They took a, a huge step forward last year. Mm-hmm. And just they have so much really talented youth like Green and Torkelson, and you mentioned yeah. Mize and Scooble. And I really like what Fado's done this year. I mean, he got blown up in his last start, gave up like seven runs, but prior to that, he had a sub three ERA. Um, that was a guy that I liked when he came out of college, um, when he was drafted. And I thought he could kind of uh, be a guy. He hasn't really had the strikeouts that I thought of, but he's kind of hitting his stride now. Um, but they have just like a ton of young. Mm-hmm. talent and then the, you add in the signing of Baez and uh, they brought Scope back who had a really good season last yeah. year I didn't think they would compete but I thought they would be a team that like really gave a lot of people trouble throughout the year mm-hmm. and finished like just under 500 and like you said were really poised for like a breakout 2022 yeah and then they just took a massive step back yeah, from all the progress they made last year. And it's really kind of confusing. It is. It really is. Just considering like, and they showed their fan base, like we're trying to get better and they've just yeah. gotten worse. And it's, it's super unfortunate for them and for their fan base. Oh, I completely forgot about Austin Meadows too. They would yeah. made the trade for Austin Meadows. So yeah, they definitely tried to get better. No, it undoubtedly. did not work. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, I, I'm with you there. I went with a, uh, a 3-0 sweep for the Red Sox. Who is your pick for MVP? I'm really hoping that Verdugo, he's shown flashes of coming out of a little bit of a slump, but then he'll regress a bit. So it's just been, I don't know, Verdugo's career seemingly is like up and down, up and down. So I'm really hoping that he can maybe start to settle in and have a great, I'm really hoping for a great series from him that can really start to be a better second half for him because he came out really hot. And then it was just a little, you know, so it's like, I don't know. Verdugo frustrates me because I think he, and I know he is so much better than what what he has shown. So I'm really hoping that we can get a, a good series that will really start to propel him into, you know, a, a second half that can be really good. Yeah, so I went with a similar pick. I went with Story. Um, I wanted to pick Story as my MVP for last series as the prediction, as like a trying to manifest it kind of thing. And then he hit the home run today. Um, he had a couple hits in this series and it kind of feels like maybe he's turning into one of those hot streaks again. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, all right, you show yeah. me a little bit. Now I'm going to, now I'm going to push for the manifestation Love it. and go with Trevor story, having another, maybe like eight home run series. 
with Bobby. <laughs> See how he comes out of this. Yeah, I think, like, the interesting thing about Trevor's story is you get, like, you'll see Red Sox, uh, you'll see, like, Yankee fans on Twitter that'll be like, ha ha, like, the Red Sox wasted all this money. Just admit that you're still jealous you don't have Trevor's story. It's fine. I don't care if, you know, you're, you're on this hot streak right now, but you're still jealous that we have him and you don't. But they'll do all these things that'll, like, be like, Glaber's better, look at this, look at that. I think when everything evens out by the end of the year, you're gonna look at a Trevor story and you're gonna look and say that the money that we paid him was of the value truthfully i mean he's had 10 homers nearly 10 steals already yeah like, yeah just because the average isn't there doesn't mean he's not i mean he's, he's like gonna win gold glove at second base too so it's like come on <laughs> way more than average shaking my head well that was gonna do it for us uh recapping cardinals previewing the tigers Uh, Thank you for listening. We have a bunch of great pods that we're pushing out here over the Monster Network. Um, With the transition of Matt, I think we're going to like redo our schedule a little bit uh, because Matt and Brian had a podcast, which obviously they don't do anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're going to keep this one coming. Jake and I are going to keep ours coming, I believe. Um, Bob is going to keep the prospect pod coming. So keep your your earbuds tuned in because we're going to have a bunch of stuff here rolling out in the feed. All season and in the off season, just all the time. We like to pod, do podcasts, so there you go. <laughs> um, you can find us at Over the Monster. You can find me on Twitter at Spoken Keats. Uh, Bailey, you can find at Frawline89. Anything else you want to roll out? No, just follow me over there. I'd be tweeting about baseball, occasionally tweet about movies, occasionally just some anger. You know, it happens. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> there we go. Thanks for listening. We will be back with you later in the week to preview the series against the Guardians. 